Hey there, this is Jason and Paul, and we encourage you to follow us on Instagram at stateofloveandtrust underscore pod, where we can continue the conversation with you. Thanks for listening. And now, let's get to the show. Welcome everyone back to another episode of the State of Love and Trust, a Pearl Jam podcast. And I'm one of your two hosts, Jason Carapesi. And alongside me, as always, is Paul Gilliari. Paul, here we are. It is the very, very end of May, early June 2021. Things are things are nearly normal again. It's it's fit. How was your Memorial Day weekend? Let's just start there. Uh, it's still going. It's been pleasant. Don't give away that we tape early. Oh, how dare you yeah uh, the wizard of oz has been revealed right we pulled the curtain back I know. um you know we did uh gosh what what have we done so far we, we we've got universal studios on the docket yes yeah that, nice. uh, that looking forward to that minions yeah man exactly mm-hmm. so happy happy about the opportunity to go out there and just kind of lose yourself in the vivid imaginations of some of LA's finest artists. And, I'm, ex- uh, I'm excited to, to get my kids to an age where they can actually understand what the hell's going on. I think, I think the older one is kind of about there where I could go to Disneyland or something like that and be like, Hey, check out the cars thing. And I'm like, cool. Oh, it's, um, it's so much fun, man. I, I'm a sucker for theme parks. I know some people can't stand them. Other people love them. I just, I like losing myself in them. I see. I like them, but it's, it's gotta be, it's got to feel special. It's got to feel like, you know, once a year kind of thing. Oh, guys- no, dude. I give me the pass and oh, I'll go God. like five, six times. It, it's, it, <laughs> I don't know what you want me you, to tell You've you. seen it once. You've seen it a million we, times. We all have our guilty pleasures for oh, Paul. Man. It's now, I wouldn't, okay? I wouldn't put you up with, I know some people who are hardcore Disney freaks who would literally go every weekend if they could. No, I can't do that. That's I, a bit I, much. That, that, that's, that's a bit much. But I, I it, look, if I had passes, which, which I did actually, I took my daughter during Halloween, mm-hmm. Christmas, uh, you know, went, went in the summer, go in the spring, a couple daddy daughter date days. You, know, you end up like five, six times, something like that. I mean, it's, it's about enough. I just don't know. I mean, I suppose the reason why you could do that is because the lines are so long. Normally yeah. You never you get to see it all. Lines anyways. <laughs> exactly. So that I can understand. Exactly. Um, by the way, for people who are not near a theme park, they're like, what are you guys talking about? You know, our the, friends the, out in like Colorado or Pennsylvania, like, what are you doing? Or, or Melbourne, Melbourne. Yeah. Nah. Is there, exactly. a, is there a Disneyland in, uh, in, uh, I don't know, man. Australia? I'm sure there, there's a Disneyland. I don't think there is. There's, there's one in, was there one in Tokyo or Hong Kong? I believe there's, I there's one in Paris, one. I think. Yeah. Uh, Paris has one. Euro These people Disneyland. are, our listeners are literally thinking right now, you guys usually do like the, the schmooze thing for about 15, 30 seconds. You guys are kind of stringing this out today. Get to the point. <laughs> the point is deep cuts. <laughs> Deep cuts. What I, how we went from what segue? We went from Disneyland to deep cuts. Um, well, you know what's it? What's a deep cut Disney movie? That'll mm. be our segue right there. I hear Robin Hood. The the OG with the little the fox. OG with the fox yeah. man. It's one of my favorites. There that's a, that's go. a good jam. Yeah, I and you know what? I, you can barely find any memorabilia of that film anywhere in that park. I bet you they they just decided, you know, at some point that everything that was pre-1985 is too racist, even if it's not. 
They figured they they, they had the whole you know song hey, you of the, the princess you know gauntlet all, all out bad. there. This is a deep cut that deserves some love. And I, since I, we I, can't give it love, that was my we're going to give some Pearl Jam deep cuts some love today. What a segue! Yeah. So as as we've just uh, really poorly um, transitioned into the actual show. Yes, we are doing deep cuts. Uh, we did a deep cut show once before. Uh, I don't know how long ago, but we did like the 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 early album was it? We did we did like to do eras here. We yeah. did the ten to Vitalogy era, and today we're gonna do basically the newest era if you don't count Gigaton, and that is Avocado to Lightning Bolt. Mm-hmm. What are our five favorite deep cuts, i.e., not singles or or heavily featured songs uh, from those three albums? And I want I'm curious to see how how much we have in common here. Because well, deep cuts, one could argue people go to the show, like us hardcore fans go to the shows for the deep cuts. Yes, but, but when you hear my list, you will find that that is probably not the case for me. Really? So your deep cuts are not, not going to be deep? They're going to be kind of shallow? No, they're, they are subterranean deep to oh the my, point oh where, my. yeah, yeah. Number one. Where, where, where going to a live show does not necessarily mean that I will have the privilege of hearing these tracks. Oh yeah. I, I don't, I don't, that wasn't part of my criteria just uh, as a, as a way to help explain what a deep cut is to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I guess my point is some of these songs have never been played live before. Oh my God. He's going to pull out some cold confession crap, isn't he? Did Paul bury the lead? God what happened here? What's going on? Oh, God, I hate so, much. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Anywho, so let's get into it here. By the way, if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the channel on the uh, on the old algorithms platform thing. There, it helps Rate, us. Out. Review, subscribe. We yeah, the, need you. The I actually got an email yesterday from Apple Podcasters community from Apple saying, "Hey, we just finished upgrading our algorithm." And by the way, they're doing their own like Patreon thing. It's called like Podcast Premium or something like that. Anyways, we haven't gone that route yet, guys. But uh, please do submit a review because it does help the algorithm and helps your fellow Pearl Jam fans find us on the platform of choice. Anywho, Indeed. let's get into it. Top five deep cuts from the latest era, Avocado to Lightning Bolt. Let's, uh, we have a good thing going here doing the honorable mentions last. So let's just get right into number five, Paul. Cold confession. God fucking damn it. You were- <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Okay. Pardon my Look, French. Go it's ahead. it's when I first heard this song, you know, we, we got that that vintage kind of lost but suddenly found off the cutting room floor version of whatever didn't make avocado. And you had all these interesting instrumentals and some experimental stuff on there, but Cold Confession was one of the few whole tracks that was carried over. And it, it's very it was raw, but very vulnerable. And when I first heard this song, I, I really enjoyed the way that Boone's keys add this chilling tone and Jeff's bass gives this sense of tortured intimacy. It was very unlike any Pearl Jam song that I had heard before. And, and Ed's vocal delivery, that cracked voice, it really held the theme of a cold confection, uh, confession together perfectly. So for me, it was one of the band's more understated efforts. Like it's almost lost in that space between Riot Act and Avocado. And... Uh, I, I just think it's it, it's a really really underrated track, and I like the fact that it didn't make avocado. It's just kind of in that space between, and and, and there's a a cold confession 
that I can't. I, I always think of like Fargo when I hear the song. I don't know why, but it feels just, cold. I mean, it does, well, cold sure, but I mean, feel, it does feel cold to the to the listen. There, there's this um, this admission on the part of the speaker that you, you you're finally being honest with yourself, and and there's a the, the coldness of acknowledging something that you have had a great difficulty coming to terms with and the pain and the loss that comes with that in turn and and I'm going to I'm going to segue later into into another song about loss but that's handled in a much different way but for now I think cold confession for me is a, is very underrated deep cut and it's it's likely a track that will a never hear live I, I, well, I shouldn't say never but it's a song that I would be surprised if we hear live only because it was never truly put together in a way that the band felt comfortable releasing in any capacity um, it's not like you know some of these other songs that they take hard to imagine for example that ultimately ended up on the on a soundtrack at one point in time right um, it was a Chicago cab or something like that mm-hmm. I forget what that so this is a particular song that I they, they just haven't and they've had opportunities and they never really took advantage of releasing this track in any way unless they're directly responsible for the leak which I highly doubt so okay I don't really have much to offer on that track because I uh, admittedly will tell you that uh, I don't often remember that it's a track <laughs> it's 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 fine to me um, never really did a whole lot for me but uh, it certainly is a deep deep cut Paul yeah it's, it's got that cool like um western war feel to it i don't know there, there's just something very there's like a, a, a darker underbelly of, of human nature that gets a seedy underbelly That's, yes but but not in a um in a, a like a industrial dirty kind of way it was, it was it was more in a very cathartic sort of way mm. i don't know well anyway. the idea of um coming to terms with something that's difficult uh is will be a theme later on for me so yeah there is some connection between one of my songs and this one uh my next or my next one my first one here number five for me is comeback and this might have been my favorite song on uh avocado right out of the gate as soon as the album came out i really really enjoyed it it's such a simple tried and true formula but it's special in a few ways to me the balance of the guitars bass and organ is just chef's kiss i just love the balance of this song and it just builds so so well all the way to the end of the first chorus and then it drops you right down back into the valley um for a song about you know loss and and basically begging for somebody to come back um who's never going to that's a really uh cool uh, and and tough way to to put that across to the to the listener and it starts to bring you back up the mountain again right so i also like you know ed's been struggling to get this message out for a long time this is that's what it, this feels like the way he's singing this he's struggling to get this message out for a long time and he's tried and he's failed you know it's, it's like emotion has overcome him before but he's finally been able to say his piece that's how the the music kind of the up and the down thing uh translates to me now everyone can relate <clears throat> to a loved one dying and this is one of my favorite expressions of this. Um, and, th- and that expression is empathy. And the, the whole it's okay ending with Mike doing the business and then, you know, the crescendo uh, into the I'll be here line that Ed just kind of gives everything. What a moment. It's, it's my favorite part of 
I think the album, maybe top three parts of the album for me. And it's just a really underrated song and they really don't play it a lot, but I think that they should. And I don't think, I feel like it's a it's a better song than to be a deep cut. Like it feels like it should be something that's played a lot and therefore wouldn't be deep, but it is. Yeah. I, I'm with you there. Um, that That's my number four, Come Back. Cool, carry on. It. For me, when I first heard the album, I think Comeback and Inside Job were immediately my favorite mm. two tracks on, on the album. And, and looking back on it now, I think that back half is much stronger than the front half. And, and the tail end of the album is by far the highlight for me. And it, th- there's a certain vagueness, I suppose, in terms of the narrative that's being built. But the, this this feeling of being consumed by grief over the loss of, of, of a loved one, or at least that's how I, I read it. It's not this arena rock type of ballad or, or, or um, lament, but it has this bluesy feel that I think Pearl Jam captures beautifully, and uh, it's something I would love to see the band do more of. And it's a sweeping song and and that ending with that you know it's it's falsetto there and, and it, it's beautiful it really is there's a there's a haunting grief to it and there's a the empathy was a great word that you used and it it dovetails very well into what will be my third song which i'll get into uh, after i pass the baton back to you yeah, a uh, a Mike and Ed song, musically speaking. I th- yeah. I think I really enjoy those two working together. Yeah. Um, number four for me, and now I'm thinking maybe this is your number three. The end. Mm. Ah, uh-huh. okay, great. Don't give it away though. I will not. The brutal, the brutal, brutal, brutal vulnerability of this song. It is a naked. You mentioned confession, cold confession. It's a naked confession and profession of love to someone knowing that your death is in sight. And I mean, I can only imagine how scary that moment could be. Afraid of death itself, but how my loved ones will feel once I'm gone. Those two different kinds of, of uh, scariness, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I guess that's the right word. I'm scared of both dying myself, but also what am I, what's my family gonna do once I'm gone? That's that's terrifying, um, and, and, or it could be for many people. I, w- I would say the way that the orchestra kind of elevates everything is just cinematic to me. And I think Ed does such a great job of singing this in a way that you believe he knows exactly what this feels like. Now to know that your end is near and to be so aware of the love that you have at the same time is such a weird juxtaposition to think about. And I really don't want to. I really don't want to do that, <laughs> but I suppose many of us are going to face this at some point, right? Um, you know, unless God forbid, you know, there's some sort of sudden um, tragedy befalling a person. You, generally, you have an idea if you are sick or if you are just getting older or people can start to see an end game um, unless it's cut tragically short uh, out of nowhere. And so everyone's going to face this. And it's just a weird thing to think about, especially as we are younger and, and not really close to that. Um, let's be honest. The gasp of breath at the end, it yeah, still, wow. gives me, still gives me chills every time it I listen does. to it. And it's just an incredible way to end a song and an album. And it, can you think of an album or even, well, I would say a song, but more like an album that ends in such a 
just a strange but but cathartic and interesting way? To be honest, no. Um, I thought it was very well constructed as a track, and you hear that gasp, and uh, you're almost left breathless, waiting to see what comes next. And I think it was it was done in a way that produces that effect, and it adds a gravity to the album that would otherwise be absent. Mm. Well said. So you got number three coming. Yeah, I'm going Army Reserve here. This is what I what I was dovetailing to here. Mm-hmm. I, I, I listened to this song, and uh, it, I think "Come Back" in a lot of ways almost feels like a, a sister song to Army Reserve. Mm-hmm. You get you get Jeff's atypical bass. It, it, it gives this really cool infectious groove that grips you as a listener and it doesn't let go much in the same way the feelings of fear and and hope and doubt and questioning grip people who are either directly or indirectly affected by war and there's this to be honest with you it's been a growing disconnect i think between what most of us understand as the reality of what's going on in places like the middle east and what people who are actually directly affected by this see and feel and uh you know i'll never forget the scene at the towards the end of hurt locker where the the lead character is going through a grocery store and he's just he's seeing all these choices of cereal and he's overwhelmed because there's there's a certain comfort that comes with the simplicity of just having a job to do and doing it and there's a sad acquiescence of just you know resigning yourself to go back to ultimately giving up what should mean the world to you to go back to something that you have been, you know, brainwashed into into feeling comfort for, you know, that that which is ultimately risking your life in the most horrific of ways. And w- when I hear this song, I, I always think of of that that feeling that people who have lost loved ones must have, or those who have to go explain to loved ones that they've lost people abroad and, and you know we have these motivations behind war and we can go back and forth all we want about the politics of it but the reality is that the, the true impact is ultimately felt on behalf of the soldiers and their families and i think that that is kind of what this song really is about it's what it explores the line looks like lightning in my child's eyes it's so epic it's it's very very vivid and visceral and that flash in the eyes of someone it, it, that's really what it is it's this moment captured but it's it's grief stricken and awe stricken at the very same time so it, it's a very underrated track i hadn't thought of a song like the end only because to me i thought that was a very featured song on uh, backspacer uh, it, it just that and just breathe. I mean, it, it didn't get the single treatment the way just breathe did, but I, I thought they kind of went hand in hand as kind of like those two solo Ed songs. So I, I, I didn't necessarily feel that in the end was a deep cut necessarily, but uh, Army Reserve was one of those songs that I've always felt should have been played a lot more. It, to me, it's like the in hiding on this album. It's that song that I think everybody would say they like, and I think the band maybe looks back at this particular album, I wouldn't be surprised if some of them question, you know, why didn't we release that as a single? <laughs> the same way that Ed once uh, questioned about In Hiding. Well, it's also my number three. Mm. My reserves, so I'll continue the conversation here. Uh, the, calling it the In Hiding of the album is great. I love that. Um, 
I remember when we did our retracking of Avocado, I definitely had it, uh, I think I had it in the first half of the album, and I always thought it should be a single. So I'm right there with you. Um, I think the music of this is so unique to Pearl Jam. Uh, right out of the gate, this strumming pattern that we have, it reminds me so much of Vitalogy. Um, and then the guitar effects are such are so modern McCready. It's just a really cool mix of eras to my ear for them. And I really, I said this in the, um, in the Bob versus Casper mix uh, show a few weeks back, but um, the backing vocals in the chorus, I really, really like those. I think they're just perfect. And it's almost like angels echoing the concern of the subject. Uh, I don't know how, how you don't bob your head to Matt's beat either. It's such a great groove. It might seem simplistic to some people, but maybe it's the combination of that and the strumming pattern. I don't know. I really, really enjoy the groove that Matt has here. And I don't know if it's been made enough um, of Ed sharing the writing credits with Damien Eccles, but I think they're just fantastic lyrics. You mentioned the uh, the, the um, lightning in my child's eye line. I, I've always loved the darling, you'll, love, you'll save me if you save yourself line. There's just some really good poetry in this one. Um, we talk about poetry versus storytelling from Ed's writing, and I think this is a really good combination of the two. And it's another outro that I think I could listen to for a long, long time, past what we get on the record and past what we've gotten live when we get it rarely. And that's saying something considering that there's no solo. It's just the band kind of grooving out. Um, it's just a perfectly groovy atmosphere that the guys create and something that I don't think we really see again until retrograde as an, as an outro. Um, basically, what, a minute and a half, a minute minute long of just kind of the band grooving out until it fades away. But um, I really, really have liked this song for a long time. Uh, I think it's underrated, and I wish they would play it more. As do I. What do you got at two? Going with Getaway. Ooh. Yeah, lead, lead off lightning bolt. First time I heard it, I thought, this is interesting. It felt very out of character for the band. Uh, you get Jeff's bass drumming, which is not something I'm used to hearing all the time. I, I think that there, there's a, a unique aspect to the the, 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 the sonic element of the track. Mm. Obviously, that the, the, there's a tradition of criticizing religion in, in Pearl Jam's music, uh, and and I'm not here to, to preach or to you know affirm any of those different types of messages. I, it just as a song. It just was an interesting way to present that critique. It, there was a certain like funky up groove, uh, upbeat groove to the song, which I thought was really interesting. It almost had a—I don't want to call it a parody, but it had a satirical feel to hmm. it. And what do you mean by that? I'm saying that there seemed to be on the part of the, the speaker of the track this critical view that had evolved into cynicism. And I think that, mm. that there's an element of satire in the groove of the song because it was the, the, the music seems very out of character for the band. I mean, if you listen to the song, it, there aren't a lot of songs that sound like Getaway. And, and I think that's what made it such a unique song, both on this album, but from this era. They don't play it very often. No. So I, I, I wonder if they feel the same way, that it just, you listen to the song and I can imagine Ed trying to build a set list and he's thinking, ah, I can't really put that there. That doesn't really good. It doesn't really fit as an in-between between. It's almost like, where do you put this song? You know what I mean? And, and so I think that's part of what makes it 
very unique. All your faith and no faith. I think lyrically speaking, there's a lot of tangen tangential parallels between much of Pearl Jam's music here.、Mm. These allusions to you know having no faith and what have you. Or I shouldn't say having no faith, but、uh, not believing in something organized and defined. I suppose. Yeah. And、uh, just this desire to always be looking for a better path. You know, is there a better way to, to look at this? A better way to do things.、Uh, But at the same time, there is also this celebration of the mind in the song, and、uh, I, for me, musically, it seemed to echo the cynicism of those who, who struggle to do that. But at the same time, there's also an interesting dichotomy in the sense that those who, who do believe would argue that there's just as much of a Um, predetermined mental conviction behind that faith, as there is an emotional and spiritual one. Because、um, you really do, I think, have to feel as though you don't just believe with the heart, but also the mind. And I think that this is the type of song that generates an interesting debate. And I I like the fact that it takes such a hardline stance because it opens itself up for the very type of criticism that it levies against others. And、so、we all be I, thinking with our different brains, right? Exactly. And so there's there's a there's a lot going on in this track, and I, I think it's underrated in that respect, both musically and lyrically. Yeah, they didn't play the song very often.、Um, no, they don't. And, and to kind of、um, to get to my number two. I want to mention both this song and、um, the end in the in the, well, the the song I'm about to tell you, and then the end. I don't think they were they were they were played a decent amount on their respective tours, but since those tours, kind of just not a whole lot at all.、Mm -hmm. And I think a song like Getaway,、uh, it really wasn't played on its own tour, and since then.、Um, But my my second song here is Pendulum, and I say that it's deep because it's opened a fair amount of songs on that tour, but since then, not much, not much.、Um, and I've seen them, I want to say, four times since that tour. I think I heard it once.、Hmm. So I was kind of unsure of this one when I first heard it because of the opening instrumentation. It's not a guitar, bass, or drums, and. I have me and my monkey brain likes to hear those things for rock and roll, so I'm a little boring like that. But、uh, that keyboard intro is to me now epic.、Uh, I really, really enjoy it. I think seeing the song live、uh, on that tour in 2013,、uh, I, I believe we were we were there together for those, and、um, it really kind of put it over the top for me. Now couple this with the drum sound, and it's a very dystopian sounding bed of music for Edison. Sure. Which is interesting considering the subject matter.、Uh, it's such simple lyrics too, but they're powerful. Easy come and easy go. Easy left me a long time ago. To be frozen by apathy or fear or a lack of clarity or indecisiveness on what to do next. I mean, I can't recall too many songs that speak to such a feeling because you can't really put your nose on that. But somehow this song manages to talk about this headspace in a really I guess a、uh, clear way、um, as much as you can, and I think this is something that 
a lot of us feel on a day-to-day -day basis but don't really want to talk about and we often feel alone in this emptiness feeling like we can't accomplish anything maybe you know we're not good enough to accomplish anything maybe that this paralysis as time ticks by kind of gets greater and greater it's really a common struggle and i'm so glad to see ed sing about this and going back to the music i think when the acoustic guitars kick in in the ah 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 you start to kind of get it almost feels like help is coming. It feels like you're being enveloped by the song at that point, which I really, really like because I feel like at that point, the listener needs to feel a hug. And so it, I think it really works out in that way. And this is this is one where I think Mike could really get weird with a long effect laden solo, but they never really do that live. Uh, and again, it has been played a whole lot. So it's we haven't had a lot of opportunity to do that. But I think if they were to bring it back around, that could be a really cool way to kind of change up this song for the greater, for the more epic experience. Um, I know you like it, Pendulum. I'm curious to see if you thought it was deep enough to warrant being on the list. I didn't, but I understand your argument. So I'm not, definitely not gonna you know, argue your position on it. I was looking for, for tracks that really kind of existed more on the peripheral. Um, so for me, the, the, the first one that I'm gonna, well, I should say the last one here for me, Speed of Sound. Oh, interesting. Love this song. Um, it's, it's, it kind of has a, an interesting 50s, 1960s feel to it in, in certain places. I love that, like, harmonized solo mm. towards the end. You know, when I hear this song, Speed of Sound, there's these very unique chord changes and stuff that I'm not used to hearing from the band that almost seemed to run counter to the, the, the brooding lyrical content. And it's it's a down-tempo song, but I love the evolution of it. I love that Eddie debuted the song during his solo tour, and uh, then he kind of fleshed it out a bit more with that demo version that got released as a uh, as part of the, the scavenger hunt when they did the, the mm. backspace, backspacer release, or pre-release, I should say. And then you finally hear it on the album, and it, it just has this beautifully produced version. And just to hear it slowly and methodically fleshed out and layered with vocals and guitars with each subsequent release, it allowed me to kind of discover the process of a song being constructed by the band from what felt like just a man and a guitar to then something that's a bit more fleshed out to then something that ultimately becomes what we heard on the album. And I thought that that process, we, we so very rarely get a window into that process. And to experience the song three different ways like that, I thought was very, very unique and um, underrated and understated. And it's always been a song that whenever I hear Backspacer all the way through, it's it's one of those tracks that I'm I'm eager to. I put Backspacer on, and I'm, in my head, I'm thinking I can't wait to get to that song. Uh, I love I it. How many just, folks agree with you? I, I don't know. I mean, it look. It, I don't know how many folks look at it as a fan favorite type of, of track, but I think that you know, if, if you look at a song like Sleeping by Myself. I feel that speed of sound does what I wish sleeping by myself could do on lightning bolt. And to your so, point, we had reheard a previous iteration of that we had song on the, with, the uh, on Uke the, album. So yeah. 
go figure, right? And so this particular song for me, it, it, it really is a beautifully perfect song in so many ways. I really, really appreciate what he was able to do, that being Eddie, with Ronnie Wood from the Rolling Stones. I don't know. It, it's very underrated to me, and to me, a deep cut for sure. It, it defines everything that this discussion is about for me. It's just an underrated deep cut that I wish had a much brighter light on it. It's interesting about this song because A, it's in 3 4. It's in a waltz mm -hmm. time signature, which I don't know that there are very many songs in the catalog there that are. are. Yeah. Um, so, right you, there. You notice a theme here with Getaway for Me and with this song and Cole Compact. It's just there's a certain sound, a sonic mm. quality to these tracks that I don't hear anywhere else in the catalog for the most part. And I think that's kind of what, why maybe we don't hear them played very often, is that they don't really fit into that, um, that, Lane, I suppose. You go to a Pearl Jam show. I think Eddie's trying to take you on a journey, and yeah. these songs really feel like detours. Well, I'm curious now. I, I'm hearing your choices, and I'm starting to think, man, maybe I didn't go deep enough. Well, that's because, okay. That's because okay. my my number one is Inside Job. That's it, beautiful. To me, that's not a deep cut, but I like that you picked that song, and I'll tell you why. Because when you first heard this album you were not a fan of this song Correct. so i think for for you it was the type of track that you really did an access and over time you've developed a stronger connection with the track so in in many ways it, it was a deep cut for you at least yeah i mean it's um we've been talking about this song a lot recently um we've talked about how it just keeps building linearly that it ascends so nicely the intro especially is it could be its own track um, but for me, it's the lyric content. Um, Mike talking about finally acknowledging his negative traits, not ignoring them anymore and accepting that is healthy. And just the idea of being mentally healthy about oneself is such a big deal. I mentioned it in the previous song. Um, this theme has kind of come a few times, um, even beyond uh, Pendulum, I think. The headspace around the end and even comeback is, is kind of a theme here for me. Um, I think it really takes guts to be vulnerable. Um, men weren't supposed to be, according to uh, society for a long time. And I think the way this song builds musically, it parallels how the so subject feels about themselves. Not ready to admit their faults, then being willing to have the internal acknowledgement that there are faults, and then being willing to fix them. Um, and for me, not being anywhere near that journey for a long time, I didn't get the song, as you mentioned. Mm. Eventually, I found myself in a spot where that this song made sense. Um, I, I think the climax of the song is just both the music and, and the theme. It's just exactly what it needs. And it's very much living in this alive space of just the right kind of ending for for the, the theme of the song, the subject matter of the song. So I think that's really good company. I'm looking up the uh, the stats here for Inside Job because I do want to find out exactly how many times it's been played. Let's see what we got here. This is riveting. Listen to me type here. Uh, Inside Job has been played only 59 times. So I know it's been 15 years, but 59 times is not a lot. So I'm willing to argue that it's a deep cut, even though it was played a decent amount on that tour. Are you going to fight me? 
No. I'm okay. not going to fight you. I'm going to let you have your day. You did go deeper than me, though. I will I say did. that. Cold confessioning. Getaway. Let's be the sound. <laughs> well, how about we do some honorable mentions? Maybe, I'll, maybe I'll be better there. What do you got? You might be. I've got one. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Of the Earth. I thought you might and, go there. Yeah. You know, f- for me, th- this I don't know what it is. It feels like this era is hard to imagine. That <laughs> kind of rough around the edges. I mean, look, uh, this track is more of a rough around the edges type of song. Very frayed, unfocused, messy. I feel like hard to imagine was a bit tighter and cleaner, obviously. But yeah. it, it's this song that just exists and people love to hear it. I remember hard to imagine was the type of tr- song in the 90s. People would hold up signs. They really wanted to hear this. Yeah. But it never showed up on an album. It did make an appearance on that uh, that soundtrack, but otherwise, gosh, I want to say it was recorded for uh, two or three different album sessions. Mm-hmm. And so it's amazing that they kept recording it, but ultimately decided never to put it on an album. I maintain it should have closed Vitology uh, after. We'll, we'll get there, guys. Stupid maybe mom. We'll do yeah, maybe. Yeah. maybe that's I, the next I, one. Maybe we'll maybe we'll do Vitology next. Maybe, maybe, yeah. But this particular song of the Earth has always felt in a lot of ways like it was the type of song that was like as i mentioned this era is hard to imagine where it was a live track that everybody was hoping they might hear you know when, when you go to a, a show during the avocado and, and, and even the the backspacer and lightning bolt tours and i never i don't think i've ever heard it live i'm pretty positive i have it me either i don't think you so know? so it's a, lyrically speaking it's pretty underwhelming I'm not entirely sure what the song is really about and what it's trying to say. The earth. Well, it, but of, of the earth. earth. I, I don't know. It, it's what that, that it's rare. He, <laughs> that, he, that was he, a facetious answer. Well, uh, look, it's a prep. It's a prepositional phrase, the title. And so, well, okay. I, English I, major. Okay. Well, hear me out. A prepositional phrase is, is supposed to relate uh, two words or two phrases, I'm sorry, two words together in some capacity. Ultimately, they generally show direction or location. So I feel as though this this song is pointing us in some direction, and lyrically, that seems to be reflected. But I think part of the reason why I'm so drawn to the song is because I don't feel like I fully understand it. Hmm. Not in a Ledbetter way where you're like, what the heck is he saying? <laughs> I think the lyrics are clearly articulated for the most part. At least you can find them anyway. But I don't know. I just, it, it's a, ve- musically speaking, it, it's a pretty rocking track. Uh, and ma- who knows? Maybe it's one of those songs like Infallible where it, it, to me, it'll always sound better live. And if they put it on an album, I'll be underwhelmed. But well, about a little over a year ago when Mike and Stone did a Reddit AMA after the release of Gigaton, someone asked, if they would ever record of the earth and put it on an album and they were like, eh, probably not. Yeah. So I'm not holding my breath. Um, yeah. I've got a couple honorable mentions here. I've got yellow moon and force of nature. And I think those, those were two I thought about. Yeah. Love those songs, but I, I would say they're probably played about as much as the rest of my list here. Um, they just didn't do it for me as much as these other five, but we, Yellow Moon is another one that I I came I come around on um, a lot more recently. Song. It was one of my favorites on first listen. It it is a pretty solid song, especially when you kind of dive into those lyrics a little bit more. And uh, Force of Nature, I've always kind of really enjoyed another Mike song. Yeah, uh, and I know people wrote in uh, on Facebook when we did our Mike's uh, show last week that people put in uh, Force of Nature as one of his top five songs. So I hear you out there, <laughs> Force of Nature. Um, all right, he let's is go a to- Force of Nature. 
Yeah. Look at you. Yeah. So good. It's like a Hallmark card. Okay. <laughs> Let's go to our lyric of the week. Lyric of the week this week comes from the era we're talking about. It comes from Backspacer, and it's Amongst the Waves. Remember back the early days when you were young and the sun maze. Suddenly the channel changed the first time you saw blood. Okay, Paul, amongst the waves, what do you have got here? It's the, uh, I believe, the second verse. Mm-hmm. So this song, it's everybody calls it another water song, right? Another mm-hmm. song about, it's not a song about surfing for me. I, mean, I think all these water songs are about relationships. And uh, much like water has ebbs and flows, so do relationships. And uh, I feel that. Some are also very salty. Yes, that's <laughs> that's an interesting way to look at it. That's true, touche. Um, but there's something about uh, being honest, keeping lines of communication open, not holding back, not shrouding things in mystery, not being indirect, uh, devious. Just Just be forthright to yourself and the person that you share a relationship with, whether that's a parental relationship, a, uh, an intimate relationship, a friendship, any type of relationship that has any meaning or value to you. And, you know, Eddie said that uh, as a group, that process of being open and honest really helped galvanize them as a band. And I always think back to that segment of the band's history where Jack Irons, I think, modeled that likely for them. As somebody who was probably too old, <laughs> to, to, to bother with, with puzzles and games to, to throw another uh, Pearl Jam deep cut. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I feel that this song, it has the ability in a lot of ways to kind of come across as, as a very upbeat pop song. I mean, it, it had a very radio-friendly sound to me, type of song that I thought... It had a video. Kind of, yeah, I had a video, you know, and I think uh, the proceeds, I want to say, were donated to the to a, to a, was a Conservation International's Marine Programs, I think, if I'm reading mm. this right. Uh, but I like when Pearl Jam is able to use nature as a metaphor. And I think this song does a wonderful job of that. Um, it's It's a very grown-up version of oceans to me and Hmm. i don't know it's it feels to me like this version of who pearl jam is at this point in time on uh backspacer this was the oceans of that album in in the respect that it it's a commentary on the social dynamic of the relationships that we share with each other and how our ability to be honest and open with ourselves, which in turn opens up our ability to be open and honest with others. It's contingent upon that, you know, that, that the validity 
and the authenticity of our relationships is contingent upon our ability to be honest with ourselves and with each other. And uh, that ultimately, that, that fight, that battle to, to be vulnerable is what produces the ebbs and flows of a relationship. Because I think if everybody was able to be open and honest with each other all the time, you'd have a lot more fluidity and things would move in kind of a, a constant, um, how, how would you say this? Flow, I suppose, a mm-hmm. current, you know, yeah, to, to keep an even, even, even yeah, flow. And even flow. <laughs> there you go. So that to me is, I think one of the things that really stands out lyrically about this particular song. Yeah. I mean, I think what you're saying kind of feeds in right into what I was going to talk about. And the first question I have is love has saved people, right? Yes. 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 Um, well, for me, it, it, it's, it's not for me, but like the concept it's done. So when people have found it and it saved people when they've lost it because they've found internal strength to get past that pain. Yeah. So the process of love for me is win-win. Now you got to think you got to be a positive person or think in a positive way to do that, which I fully acknowledge. I, I have not done for most of my, my life, but if you do that, you you allow yourself to be vulnerable and to find someone you can give everything to, to trust, to confide in, to help lift up as you know they will you. That's pretty special. And that experience shapes us in positive ways. Now, ultimately, at least once for most of us, that love will turn on us. It'll fail. It'll fall apart. You know, the, the person we thought we could share that feeling with has betrayed us in some way. And it hurts. But ultimately, it's a learning experience, and we are made better and stronger for it, though in the moment, it doesn't feel like it. And I know we have talked about this before. I, you know, I had a, a very strong experience like this before. It was really negative. I wanted to make it work. I thought I was in uh, the right relationship, but I was not. I was mistaken. I was hurt at the time, but I became smarter, wiser, and stronger because of it. I think there was a Kanye song like that, smarter, wiser, wiser, stronger, something, something, right? Kanye is so smart. Uh Cut to later, <laughs> cut to later, eh? No? Okay. Uh, and I found my wife. Cut to later, now we're strong. <laughs> okay. That was the joke. I'm sorry I explained it. So cut to later. I, go ahead. You shouldn't have. I, I know. Tr- I, trust the delivery. I, I really ruined it. I ruined it. I'm sorry. Well, cut to later. I found my wife, and here we are. And now her love has made me an even better person, but it took a negative love experience to get me to this point. So it's all good, man. Like going through the gauntlet of love, both good and bad is worthwhile at the end of the day. And only in time will we see that that's true. As the Philadelphia 76ers have so famously coined the phrase, trust the process. There you go. If you can, if, if you can trust the idea that either way, the, your love and your relationship turns out, the good or the bad, you'll be better for it in the end if you look at it that way. What a song to convey that message. I find that very interesting. It is very interesting. Um, <laughs> Thanks for uh, confirming. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I chose Ben to chime in. How do you like that action? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's do, let's hear like the best live version of this song. Maybe that's a good idea. Live card of the week, here we go. Okay, Paul. 
amongst the waves. We're heading to uh, the late aughts. Where are we going? When are we going? Los Angeles, October 7th, 2009. What used to be your house of cards has turned into a reservoir. Save the tears that were waterfalling. Let's go swim tonight, darling. And once outside the undertow, just you and me and nothing more. If not for love, I would be drowning. I've seen it work both ways, but I This cut very close to the album version. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that uh, Mike misses the harmonizing guitar part around his guitar solo, but it's almost like he means to do it because he's kind of waiting for his moment, which is interesting. 
Ed is in fine form. I, I love yeah, this is. this time frame for him. Um, I know that there was a, a a period in the mid to basically like 04 to like 2014. There were some dicey times, but I think this tour he was strong and this performance he was strong and the band is very tight. So it's it's a it's a really good performance. And I love these little flashes of boom throughout as well. And of course, as you'll I'm sure say, we were there together we experiencing were. this. So I wonder if that had anything to do with it. it, it you know, it did. Uh, but it's the show I didn't go to that I think subconsciously played a role in this. Cause the <laughs> night before uh, there were four nights and yes. for financial reasons, I decided, God, I just like, like an, an idiot. I couldn't rationalize spending another, I don't know, 180 bucks. I forget what it was now. And uh, I didn't go to the October 6th show, which was the night that Chris Cornell came out and <laughs> they did hunger strike at the end, which was always a dream of mine that I would hear that song live. And I actually had the chance and blew it. So there I was at this show on October 7th. And it was, it, I was in the rafters, man. I mean, I literally had my back up against the wall, of the Gibson, which has since been demolished. Now it's a minions world to bring it, it full circle. I think it's the Harry Potter. Fine. Harry right. Potter. But the point is <laughs> universal city. We've brought it all around. We have. It all and made sense at the beginning guys. I can't help but wonder if uh, my frustration at not going to that show just kind of boiled over to the point where, I just gave myself over to this show in a way that was just, and, and maybe everything just sounded glorious because, <laughs> but this particular, it is tight. I love Boone's flourishes. If you were there live, which you were, to me, those really stood out. And, uh, and I think that when I hear this particular version of the song, maybe I'm adding a certain rose colored glasses feel to it where I, I remember the feeling and those little nuances and sounds of being there that maybe aren't necessarily quite as discernible on the album track. So if anybody listening disagrees with me, which I'm sure many of you have for many of these, these songs, but, but uh, I would understand why with this one, but for me, it's just, it, it's the best cut. So. That was the, I want to say like the sixth ever time they played that song. Yeah. And I think that's why it sounds so tight and close to the, to the album. I think they were still really just fine tuning, mm. you know, what it would ultimately be live, but it was that beautiful place in between where they had played it just enough times where there was a level of comfort, but also enough times where they could like with boom, you know, and, and with my kind of waiting a little bit, with that, that solo there, they were able to kind of let the song breathe a bit live in very subtle ways. And I thought that that added something to the track in a subtle fashion that uh, just uh, added a little splash. I don't know. Worked well, well and, for me. And the song was dedicated to a dolphin. So there's that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Ed says beforehand. So <laughs> there's that. We'll always have that. I don't know how else to end the show, but just to say, hey, that, that, that song was dedicated to a dolphin. You know what? This podcast, this episode is dedicated to a dolphin. Wherever you are out there, dolphin. I like it. You know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gang. Uh, that's it for this episode. Um, thanks for listening. And of course, if you uh, are interested in participating in our uh, Make a T-Shirt Challenge, uh, send us your your designs or your thoughts on a possible design um you can hit us up on uh, instagram facebook twitter email state of love and trust pod very excited by the way to follow up with one of our listeners on that yes i know we, we've been in touch so if you're listening we have not forgotten about you mm -hmm. 
and we're going to be uh, moving the needle with. We should set friend. a deadline here. Uh, we should. We should. How about this? Uh, well, first of all, we need to do our due diligence. Correct. And respond to this talented artist. I, we have already, but we need to, to take it to the next level and, and give this, this gentleman the opportunity to, mm-hmm. to shine. But uh, at the same time, we would be remiss if we didn't continue to let other folks know that this is something that we have not yet finalized yet. Uh, but nonetheless, very promising lead. Excited let's about say, what's going. Let's say June 14th, Flag Day. Okay. That's a good one. I don't know why that's, that, that feels appropriate. Well, it's a visual banner, as our shirt will be. They, see, you know, it always comes together. <laughs> Even if I just throw something out there, you somehow find ways to stitch it all together. That's what I do. Okay. Well, there you go, gang. <laughs> <laughs> Submit a review. Uh, rate it. You know, stars. Maximum would be appreciative. And uh, and we'll, we'll talk to you out there on the social media and until we talk to you the next time on this particular show you've been listening to the state of love and trust we are-